Our scripture this morning comes from James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever, and this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this past week, I was working from home on a particular morning on this very sermon and this very text, and Olivia and Teddy came into the room, and they started playing with their calico critter toys, if you're familiar with those kind of toys. And they started getting loud and rambunctious, and, and I told them, listen, guys, you, you either need to be quiet or you need to go to another room, because I was just getting really distracted. Now, they tried to tell me that this was part of a story that they were creating, and that mommy had told them this is where we're supposed to play with the calico critter toys, and they didn't realize that I was going to be working from home there on that particular morning. But I didn't listen. So they left the room quite upset. And I turned back to my computer to work on this sermon, and then I realized, oh, right. <laughs> it's exactly what I'm preaching on and exactly what I didn't just do. And so I go to them, and we have a heart-to-heart, and, and I apologize for not listening, and uh, I wound up moving rooms. You see, it's not enough to just hear God's word or even to teach on God's word. We have to put it into practice. And our scripture this morning tells us a lot about what that means. The first part of our scripture today tells us that as Christians, we should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now our society flips that and does quite the reverse. We are quick to speak, quick to become angry, but not quick to hear. And yet it's that kind of attitude that does damage to our relationships. How often are our relationships damaged by words that are said carelessly in anger? How often do we lash out only to realize that we overreacted? How many times do we get outraged only to find that we misunderstood the situation? When we're slow to become angry, though, we can learn, we can take time to think before we speak and before we act. When we're quick to hear, we can learn why someone feels or acts a certain way. Now, we may still not fully agree and we may still be upset, 
but we can take a step back and think before we act. We may also find that through listening, that we can now understand things better, that we might have been wrong in some ways, or that we need to apologize for our part in the particular conflict. The point is that being quick to, to hear and slow to speak and slow to become angry is crucial. It's crucial for vibrant Christian community, and it's crucial for all relationships in our lives. It's especially vital in our family relationships. Marriages thrive when we truly listen and take a deep breath before jumping to anger. Families thrive when parents take time to listen and to understand their kids instead of having a knee-jerk reaction that we as parents know we're all prone to. Families also thrive when children take time to listen to their parents and think before they speak. Now, all of this often requires that we take a deep breath and utter up a quick prayer to God, Lord, help me because I'm angry. But it's so important that we do. Being quick to hear eliminates unnecessary discord and prevents unnecessary hurt. So much conflict can be prevented when we are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And when we do this as a church community, though we may be different in so many ways, we find ourselves united in Christ. Now next, James explains why we should be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to become angry. It's because anger doesn't bring about the righteousness of God. Human anger does not result in us living rightly before God. If we want to live rightly before God, getting outraged isn't going to do it. But we live in an outrage culture where we're kind of just outraged by everything to the point where it seems like once we run out of things to be outraged about, we go looking for other things to get outraged about. But outrage doesn't make us righteous, and it rarely helps fix things. Now, we should certainly be angry about injustice in our world. We should certainly act in godly ways. James isn't dismissing all anger at every time in every way. We read Ephesians 4.26, where it says, Be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. Our problem, though, is that we get angry quickly. And we tend not to act in godly ways. When we're quick to anger, we don't always think through and pray about our actions first. And that our knee-jerk reactions tend to lead to responding poorly, hurting others, and making things worse. And yet our God, on the other hand, he is slow to anger. And thus, we're called to reflect his character. And then James tells us what we should do instead of being quick to anger. He says in verse 21, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Essentially he's saying throw out the bad stuff and receive the good stuff. Get rid not just of outbursts of anger but of all the sin growing and festering in our lives. Uproot them like weeds, throw them out like tattered clothing. Turn from sin, leave it behind, ask for God's forgiveness and turn toward him. And if we mess up, 
repeat. But don't just get rid of those things. James says replace them by humbly receiving the implanted word. And he's talking about the word of God here, the gospel, the good news of Jesus that saves us. We can't receive it in arrogance because we don't deserve it, so we receive it in humility. We turn from our sin and believe the gospel, that Jesus died and rose to save us from our sins and make us right with God. James next shows us what it means to receive the word that saves. It requires that we take action. Receiving the word of God means doing, not just hearing. We are not just called to hear God's word, but to do what it says. Now, it's, it is easy to think that uh, we can just get by in the Christian life just simply by hearing God's word. We hear a sermon, we listen to a Bible study podcast, we attend a Bible study. But if we don't let hearing God's word change us, we're not doing what God requires. Following Jesus is not simply about hearing God's word. It's about doing what it says. It's about following Jesus' commands, heeding the teachings of Scripture, and not picking and choosing which ones we will or won't follow. I want you to imagine that you are asking your child to clean their room before you get home from work on a particular day. And they say, yeah, I hear you. But then when you get home, their room is still the same mess that it was before. And when you go to confront them about this, they say, yeah, but I heard you. Yeah, but hearing wasn't enough. You needed to do what I said. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing when we assume that simply hearing God's word is enough. We have to respond to it. We respond first and foremost to God's word by trusting in Jesus to be saved and cleansed of our sins. And then we respond to God's word by following the commands of our God and Savior. In Luke 6, 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? We can't just hear God's word. We must obey God's word. And then James gives a, a very clever analogy here. He says that hearing without doing is like looking in the mirror and, for, and turning away and forgetting what you look like. Now, can you imagine looking at the mirror, you see your hair's a mess, and then you turn away and you're like, eh. I mean, some of us do that. I do that. But you shouldn't do that. <laughs> you shouldn't forget what you look like. And yet we do this when we study Scripture, but don't let it impact our hearts and lives. When we hear God's word calling us to help the vulnerable and we don't do anything. Or when we hear God's word telling us we need to love our spouse like Christ loved the church, but we still don't give them the time of day. Or when we hear God's word calling us to love our neighbors as ourselves, yes, even that neighbor, but we let it go in one ear and out the other. And as a result, then, we deceive ourselves into thinking we're living rightly before God when we're not. And so James tells us, don't just hear the word, do it. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, 
being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. When we study God's law, God's commands, and follow them, we are blessed. Now, following God's commands may seem like a kind of slavery. It's like, I have to do this, I can't do that. But in reality, God's commands are perfect. They're a freedom from the slavery that sin actually is. They keep us from falling into traps and keeps us from being deceived by things that ultimately lead not to life, but to death. The blessing is in doing God's word, not simply hearing it. Next, James gives us an example of what it means to truly be a doer, not just a hearer of the word. Verse 26, he says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. You see, the way we speak reveals what's in our heart. Jesus says in Luke 6, 45, The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. If we can't control how we speak, we've got a heart problem, even if our outside looks good. And so what does the overall pattern of our speech typically look like? Do we seek to be transformed by God in our hearts and our speech, or do we often ignore our hearts and our speech? It's a deception for us to think that we are being faithful to God when we choose not to restrain our tongues. And then James tells us that pure religion, pure faith that does is one that controls the tongue, that looks out for the vulnerable, and is unstained by the world. Where our hearts are transformed by the word of God and our speech is measured and controlled. Verse 27, he says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So he says, uh, pure and undefiled religion looks out for the vulnerable. God the Father cares about orphans and widows. We see that throughout Scripture. These are the type of people who in the ancient world and today tend to be in distress in some way. And they really represent all people who are oppressed and vulnerable in society. To be faithful Christians, we're called to be like Jesus and help those in need. How can we support people in distress in his name and thereby reflect the heart of the Father? Pure and undefiled religion remains unstained by the world. This is the idea that we live in the world, but we don't allow the values of the world to become our values. When there's little difference between Christians and society at large, there's a problem. If we're not careful, we can allow the values of society to become a part of us. And that doesn't just apply to things like like immorality, but by what we deem most important. Looks, success, our grades, are are they more important than God? Has, Has the world's values crept in? Or are we grasping for power, whether it's political or otherwise, 
instead of focusing on building God's kingdom. We're called to be driven by God's values, God's commands. Now, if you have not felt convicted by at least one of these things in Scripture this morning, you may not be listening. And I say that because multiple times this week, I get, kept getting hit in the face with this passage. And I explained one of them already. But the thing about the epistle of James is that he's often calling us out. And he definitely calls us out today in this passage. And so I want us all to think, where is God calling us to be transformed by his word this morning? Where does he want us to not simply hear it, his word, but respond to it? Now, we all fail. We all mess up. We all know that we have all messed up in many ways here. And we can wallow in that, and we can believe that, you know what, things will never change. Or we can turn to Jesus and be forgiven and be given the grace to follow his word. Nothing in this passage is easy, but it's worth it. And though we may stumble many times, let us seek to live out God's word, to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, to throw off the sin that festers in our lives and trust in Jesus, to not merely hear God's word, but to do it. And remember that you are not in this alone. None of us are in this Christian life alone. We have our brothers and sisters here in this church to support one another. And I am always happy as well as your pastor to pray with you and support you and cheer you on as we all seek to grow in our faith and to follow God's commands. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for showing us ways that you have called us to live, for showing us your kingdom's values. We confess that we have not always been quick to listen, that we have sometimes let your word go in one ear and out the other, and that we have not always made your values ours. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be transformed that you would help us day by day to grow in this. That by your grace, you would remind us each day. And that also when we mess up, which we will, that you would remind us of your grace, both to forgive us and to help us start again. In Jesus' name, amen.